Called it loon shit. It's just that freaking greasy top layer on those northern roads. But I froze my bag off. Like I had every piece of clothes on inside my hey guys welcome to come out heavy podcast we're live in the beat laboratory devin sear sitting with me and it's been quite a while since we've seen each other. Yeah, this uh, it's been great to finally get away from the Kootenays. Not that I don't like it down there and, and make my way back home. Uh, I haven't seen the folks and well, a lot of people in BC all the months going by and they haven't seen their grandkids. And give Kurt and I a good opportunity. It's actually the first time we're going to do our podcast together looking at each other eye to eye instead of through a shitty filtered laptop screen so i'm excited for that and that's usually a bad thing midday cracking beers and uh it could run away from us a little bit so we're not really sure where this is gonna go <laughs> yeah yeah it could be a runaway it's still pretty early in the day but you know, fucking get after it when you can <laughs> yeah, get some um yeah, so yeah, first uh, face-to-face, it's been good. It's kind of what we wanted to do right from the get-go, but with all the bullshit going on with COVID and whatnot, and for any of all you freaks out there that are one of those guys, we're social distancing. We're sitting across the table from each other. We we got COVID tests. We're good. Like, no, um, any of those fucking keyboard warriors that got something to say, go fuck yourselves. And... Uh, <laughs> Today's a, a good one because we've been waiting to do, we're going to do a bit of a gear dump, kind of talking about our last year's sheep hunt, um, just because it's kind of getting about that time where, like last year we started planning our hunt kind of December, talking about where we wanted to go, we started doing the the e-scouting and all that other shit, and then come, you know, like early spring, you know, you got to make sure you put in for your time off and all that other jazz, but getting all the pieces of your hunting kit down together, you know, who's going to pack what we had it down right to the fucking ounces of stuff. We're going to split. Um, yeah, Dev, anything you want to do? Cause we, sorry, before I send it back to Devin, like we've got, I've got my very first backpack hunting fucking kit on paper and I've got my second one and my third one and my fourth one, and my fifth one. So we've kind of got a base to go with when we do go out. So with Devin, this was his first sheep hunt. So with you, Dev, like I know we worked on lots of gear over the years. Um, did you find planning for a sheep hunt? Was it much different than doing an elk hunt? No, uh, only because of our experience from before. Um, the biggest thing I think we've started to take away is we look at 
what time of the year we're going places and the environment that we're heading into. So like if you know you're going to be hunting by a lake the whole time or you know there's an active river that you can easily access water and those kind of things weigh on kind of your prep. For me, it's like clothes. This one was going to be extended. So I think the biggest thing for me, what I looked at it as was like we did our elk hunts together and you'd already done multi, multi-day, like we're talking 10-day prep sheep hunts, whereas Kurt and I had only done three overnighters then we did a four overnighter and then the last elk count we planned for a five overnighter but we managed to be successful in the first morning of our overnighters so the long period to prep for the food and then look at that was the biggest thing for me is like how much food do i need to bring for 10 days and then also probably the most physical hunt we were gonna i was gonna do yet with my backpack on so how much calories i really needed to intake to stay mentally prepared for this was the big one and then obviously new environment, maybe the, but we, the gear we take into the West Kootenai backcountry, that brush choked shitty environment. I think when you go into hopefully Alpine type walking, you, you hope it's not going to be as bad. So yeah, just prepping for it. It was not a big change. We looked at what we didn't like over the years and now we're heading into 2021 and Kurt and I are going to do another sheep hunt North. So in started reviewing lists we've already been talking about plans and where we want to go and what we want to do how we're going to attack it this year so yeah we thought we'd go over our entire kind of setup for basically 10 long days sheep hunts and then we'll probably touch on kind of what brought us to different gear items to select from our elk hunts yeah so you know we get down to it i got my first list here and there's a lot of shit on there that i would never pack again <laughs> like ever but there's more stuff that i've added to it since then so it's all trial and error like you can't go out the first time unless unless a guy has an endless budget to go out and dump fucking 10 grand on your first hunt i didn't have that fucking joy and most people don't so it took a long time to build up my backpack kit um per se you know you don't have to go spend a ton of money on shit. It doesn't cost a lot of money to get up. It costs a lot of effort to get up in the mountains. But financially, there's a few key items that you should spend your money on and a lot that, fuck, you can get it at Walmart. So um, right off the bat here, you know, I don't know. What do you, uh, where do you want to start, Dev? Well, I think we talked about just touching on the first item. How do you stay overnight in the backcountry if you're planning? So if you're new lists or not even new listeners, if you're hunters that are thinking about starting backcountry overnight type hunts, how are you going to sleep in the backcountry is probably the first topic that should come to your mind. And that goes down the, to both basically three different major gear items. Um, tent being number one. Uh, sleeping bag quality slash what degree number two a good sleeping pad and what quality what thickness some are down filled for cold weather some are heavier because of that um, and that's kind of the three that we'd start to break down when we talk about our sleep systems yeah so yeah our uh, system has evolved quite a bit in the last couple of years for the first bunch of years we use the same stuff you know i got a a cheap mech um, sleeping bag. 
it was a minus, I don't know, nine or seven bag. And, you know, it was good for above zero weather. So, like, that's good. If you're going in August, no, that's the thing, plan. If you're hunting in August going up north, you don't necessarily need a minus $18,000 sleeping bag. You can get away with quite a bit lighter sleeping bag, same as your 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 uh, sleeping pad. And then same as your tents, right? You know, early August, you're probably going to get pretty fair weather. You might get some rain, but chances of snow are pretty slim. You start hitting the end of August, early September, well, you're going to get some frost. You might get some snow. Chances are it's going to be cold in the mornings, cold at night. So, you know, I've done them both. We've gone late September. We've gone October. We've gone end of July being up for the opener. So your gear really differs to, on when you're going to go in the season and yeah so now like you know i've got i've been doing it for a while now so i've got early season gear and late season gear and it basically it's whatever you can afford you don't have to go buy the best like we said before you can you can cheap out on some stuff and not necessarily cheaping out it's whatever you can afford you don't have to go buy top of line stuff you can you can get up in the mountains with well, the old guys used to pack a goddamn fucking, what were those old heavy fucking sleeping bags people would pack? Like a felt sleeping bag or whatever yeah, they, they were. Pack. The evolution of gear, even with the cheaper stuff, has changed over the years. So, I don't know, looking at, you know, the top mountain hunting gear sites, of course they're going to tell you you have to pack this sleeping bag and you need this tent and everything. If I had any suggestion to people looking at starting this trend and what kind of gear to go into, you obviously, I think we've talked about it with other mountain hunters like Johnny Nykirk and, and Omer, and we've talked about what was important to them, and they both listed tent sleeping was like right up on their list. And I would say maybe don't plan your first backcountry hunt in the early November in the high alpine maybe don't attack that cold chance of really cold weather if you haven't tested your gear out so like kurt and i started backcountry hunting together in september and usually early usually around that first 10 days was our first kind of expeditions that we'd take on and we got caught with our pants down once in the tent or sorry i shouldn't say that we we did have our pants off. But That's a it, little bit weird of you to say. Yeah, that, that was the wrong way to put that. Uh, we ran into like minus seven in a, a little drainage in the Kootenays in early September. So the weather can catch up to you, but we weren't planning on that. And we froze pretty hard that night. Like we both had light sleeping bags and not a lot of extra down and layers to prepare for that. So it taught us to maybe prep a little better there, but... The same time, if you're planning an early September hunt, I don't know, taking a minus 15 sleeping bag is probably a bit of overkill. Yeah, it, it all depends on what a guy wants, right? Some guys sleep hot. Some guys are cold as shit. So like that night Devin was talking about, that was the one where I had every piece of clothing on in my sleeping bag and I was still fucking cold. Didn't matter what I did, I couldn't get warm. But then I upgraded my uh, my sleeping pad. The next year, kept the same sleeping bag, upgraded the pad. What a fucking difference it made. You know, you I could have kept the same sh- shitty pad and I got a better sleeping bag. Either way you do, it doesn't matter. You know, if you get good pad and a good sleeping bag, it'll make a big difference. But 
you know, usually if you can, you can get away with upgrading one thing and it will make a world of difference. Um, yeah, we're, uh, that's kind of, we kind of picked on the sleep system part of it. It's get the best that you can afford. Yeah. And um, if you want to know what we're actually running, I'm running my sleeping bags. I think the brand's Chinook. I got it. One good thing is like, I went to, oh, I have the luxury of it. Um, in the Kootenays and Nelson and in actually I picked up my bag in Revelstoke it was I was threw it on a trip but go to those little backcountry huts where these guys that's all they do the owners of these stores a lot of times it's small town owners that's they test the one I went to the guy tested the owner tests all the bags and then he puts his own rating on the bags which I thought was really cool so the company uh had my bag rated at a minus two and he rated it at a zero yeah, he said I probably wouldn't push it, but I liked it for there, and I went. I went with that, so I ran like a zero bag for our August, mid-August sheep last year. That was a downfilled, so really nice and light and good loft, and and the bag's been great so far. I don't like running mummy bags, so just because of the sleep tight quarters, I can't do it. I like the square bottom bag, so I sacrifice that when it comes to the tight wrapped heat. Um, I picked up the Thermarest. I think it's the X-Therm back in the day, and that was a, been a good pad for me. It's a little narrow, so probably the wider-shouldered guys, the bigger stature, probably don't want to go. And that one's got that mummy kind of ovalized shape, bit tight there, but it's been great as far as comfort and, and tight packability. And then uh, Kurt doesn't do this, but I throw in, and I think the brown, the sorry, the brown, the brand is C to Summit. I throw in the inflatable pillow. It's tiny. It's smaller than a cell phone, typically, like in size. And I, I really like that with my sleep system. Yeah, like with me, I mentioned before, I had just like the cheapest mech bag that I could basically get when I first went. I didn't have a lot of money or anything. So I started with that. And then now I've got the Kuyu minus 18 bag. And that fucker is warm. <laughs> Like I, I usually run pretty hot when I sleep. Even my uh, my old bag, like when we went up sheep hunting in August, I'd be fucking laying on the ground. I'd have that thing draped on me, basically like a blanket. And then that eighteen bag is just a whole nother fucking world. Like you know, I I haven't tested out in super super cold yet, but it's fucking warm. Like it's almost too warm where that fucker's unzipped at all times. And then my sleeping pad, I bought the Xped. I think it was the five or the seven, whatever it is. It's got the down in it, and that thing, it's super thick. I don't even know. I don't know the exact dimensions of it, but I got the XL size, so it's nice and wide. It's fucking long, but what a difference that thing made. Even with my old she- shitty sleeping bag, it uh, you just don't get that coldness out of the ground that seeps up through your sleeping pad and that's what froze us that one night where it hit cold it was the the ground temperature was just fucking you couldn't get away from it and it probably didn't help we were sleeping on a solid slab of granite yeah. too i mean sometimes in the kootenays up kootenay backcountry especially the west kootenays your only flat surfaces are often rocks so rocks are cold yeah when you get on some nice alpine grass it's it's pretty nice and pretty comfy to to lay in so that's kind of where we upgraded and you know it took a long time to upgrade because it wasn't it wasn't a necessary purchase that I had to buy to be able to go out and do what I wanted. So eventually 
most people will upgrade to to better stuff and you know each to their own if you want to spend a grand on a sleeping bag by all means do it you don't have to though so just so long as people people that are starting out know that you don't have to go buy whatever the fuck you see online you can buy you can buy a fucking canadian tire tent for example and it's gonna work just as good it might not work when you get six inches of fucking snow or rain for a week straight but it gets you on the fucking mountain same as a fucking walmart sleeping bag man they do the same shit like you know you're looking at ounces if you're going for long days and you got heavy packs you start looking at how much stuff weighs and that might be the game changer where you get something that's more of a an elite mountain company making stuff that's better quality and lighter weight that's going to be the only difference yeah on the tent side of it kurt and i have been using well my first couple elk hunts we used the costco tent that i had 20 years ago um that worked and this last sheep hunt we use kurt's woods tent three-man woods it's been nice and roomy and good now we were talking about this today because we're going over our gear list and what we're going to do coming up and We've kind of got lucky with our tents, so we probably shouldn't come on here and tell everyone to use the cheapest tent. If you think your weather could be really bad, that could get you in trouble. So do with it what's within your means. But we've decided to upgrade this year, and we're going to run a Kuyu shelter. And mainly because we have heard that when those storms come in and when you get socked in, it make or breaks the difference of staying up on the mountains and being comfortable and in some cases, like, we're going to go early August this year. We're going to go for the opener by the looks of it. So probably won't see that really cold chance of snow squalls. But if you were looking at that early September high mountain northern hunt, then you probably should really make sure that your shelter is going to be able to keep you up there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that Kuyu uh, summit is going to pan out. I've never used a tent that style, so it might be good. It might be bad looks good and i know that so and, you know the the old costco tent our, our parents picked those up when we did the bower night chain when we were kids like that's how fucking old this thing is and it we ran that for years and then when i finally i'm like oh woods had canadian tire had a sale on the woods expedition tent it was fucking 190 bucks or something like that and like the weight was pretty good it had a good rain moisture whatever rating on it i'm like oh fuck whatever throw it in the quad or go camping it's no big deal right if it gets wrecked it gets wrecked and we used that for the elk hunt two years ago and then the sheep hunt last year and for what it costs and for how heavy it was man you really can't go wrong and if it gets fucking wrecked well it gets fucking wrecked you're not crying about it because it's a 200 tent not a 1500 hillenburg right so those are just some options that we're throwing out there that we've learned over the years and you know obviously stuff's not going to last forever so spend your money wisely on your sleep system after that i think we're gonna go into our clothes that we packed so you know packing for a september elk hunt is a lot different than packing for a early august cheap hunt you know you look at the weather usually you can get a 14 day forecast you know if it's going to be cold and rainy, well, pack a little bit warmer clothes. If it's going to be plus fucking 25, which a lot of times it is, and it's bluebird for a week, well, you're not going to need two pairs of fucking warm pants and long johns, right? So just kind of figure out where you're going to go, what time of year. Check that weather network like three, two weeks out before you go. And and then if you got to change what you're taking, change it based on the forecast that you can foresee. 
Dev, you want to start off like your clothing list? Yeah, how I prepared is definitely time of year and we have the experience and if I had to give advice before you even think about it, if you're unsure, if you're like, well, I don't know how good my clothes will be, you better test them. Like clothes are one you're going to want to test. How do you sweat in them? It's not all about keeping the weather out. It's also about like keeping yourself comfortable. So I like to wear, I mean, I have the luxury of walking out my back door and I can drive for 10 minutes and hit a hiking trail that'll prove my gear out pretty good like the Kootenays is great for that so it's not always a luxury for everyone but it doesn't matter well throw your shit on and it's raining out and go for a hike out in a park like whatever you can do try that stuff see how much you sweat in it and really get a feel for it I feel like you're everyone's different Kurt and I you know build heat differently when we hike and, and we both stay warm differently so don't do it just because we say to do it, but we'll explain to you why we pick things and, and how we go down that. So right off the bat, the first thing on my backpacking clothes list is rain gear. So it's number one on my list because I never want to forget it. And I pack it. I put it in my pack. This stays in my pack all year round. And it doesn't matter what style of hunt I'm doing. So this isn't my rain gear is in my pack. The way I pack it, I have certain ways I put it in both my backpacks. So I carry the 7200 bag when I'm doing multi-day hunts and I carry the 3200 Kuyu Icon Pro bag when I do you know weekend day trips in the Kootenays so but my rain gear is in both of them all the time some guys will be like oh well, if you know it's not gonna rain why do you even have your rain gear because <clears throat> I'll forget it when I take it out because I'm not that fucking good at remembering all my shit so I just leave certain items in so the jacket I've chosen and it's been really successful for me is the Kuyu Chugach rain jacket I've had it for well, it's pretty wild now, actually. It's got the original Verde on it, so it has to be six years old, probably five or six <laughs> years old, and it hasn't let me down. I've used it on multi-day horse hunts where we've been in the snow. I've used it on hot. It's just light enough to keep you from sweating too much in those early September and the sheep hunts that we've been on. And then my rain pants, I tried out the Kuyu Katanas. When they first launched a couple years ago and they've been incredible i can't say enough about these i've had guys ask what i'm wearing and why i'm staying dry and how they haven't ripped in the brush in the west kootenays so that's been been big time for me for rain gear Kurt, you want to touch on rain gear before we yeah so i don't i don't even know what kuyu's first rain pant model they came i think there was a chugash but that was the first kuyu item that i ever got was the rain pants and that was the first original technology they came out with and those things were fucking unreal my first sheep hunt i took viking rain gear top and bottom like worker construction fucking style rain gear impermeable yeah like and i still got wet and i sweated like a motherfucker so that was my and it was heavy i don't even know how much the fucking big plastic buckles and everything on that piece of shit and I sweat my ass off, packed it around. We got pissed on for a day and a half, and you're just packing wet rain gear the rest of the trip. So as soon as I got back, I got the the pants, and those things were unfucking real. I still have them. They're not quite waterproof anymore because I was didn't exactly handle them like you're supposed to. I was throwing them in the fucking wash and you know using normal detergent, like the, everything they tell you not to do. I did it to those pants. And I take them out, I wash them in the stuff now, and I'll spray them down with that NX spray, hang them dry, I'll do it like two, three times, and they're fucking good. I like wearing them on a snowmobile. They got all kinds of rips and shit from going cat hunting and whatever in the wintertime, but 
Then they, I've had them for, fuck, I don't know, over probably close to 10 years now. And I still got them. So anyways, last year I, uh, I upgraded the pants. I got the katanas just because Devin had them and he was raving about them. I'm like, well, fuck, might as well upgrade to what he's got. He likes them a lot. And those things are fucking nice. They, they stretch nice. They fit nice. They're way more durable than the, the Chugash ones. And they're not heavy. Like, uh, you have the Yukon ones, don't you, yeah. too, Dev? I got the original Yukons. Well, they still make them now, but I have the same thing, Verde version 1. That was actually my first rain pant because I heard before they came out with the Katana, the Chugach were fairly easy to tearing and were more designed. So guys have to, every mountain hunting brand, and I'm not trying to sit here and um, defend Kuyu, but every mountain hunting brand has the super lightweight rain pant and you need to understand that those rain pants were built for alpine hunts and they were built for when you're in the alpine and in the areas where there's not brush choked environments so i picked the yukons up first because most of my mountain hunting was in severely brush choked west kootenai drainages and they were really good but they're bulky they don't fold well they don't pack well and the weight i mean weight's not that big of a difference that to us but the packability was a big difference and they didn't breathe as much. So the breathability and the packability of those Yukons is why I wouldn't suggest picking up Yukons for your backpack. Yeah. It depends what you're doing. Like if you're, if you're fucking on a quad and you're moose hunting or whatever, they're probably fantastic. But if you're walking around all day in them, they're a little bit, a little bit overkill for what a guy wants where I found the other ones, the original ones that I had, they were really light and they were nice for walking around in. But every time I fucking looked at a stick, I put a hole in them. And they don't patch up like other pants. Like I had duct tape all over those fucking things. And then I tried that tenacious tape. Same thing. It lasts a little bit and then it falls off or whatever, right? So the katanas just seem to be the perfect mix of being super durable, super light as well, and super waterproof. So that's that's where I went with, with those. I still have the Chugash jacket and i've had that for probably six or seven years now and that thing's still money like i i look after it and wash it with fucking regular laundry detergent like i i wash it with the right stuff i spray it down i dry it like i look after that thing and it still works perfect so that's the that's the rain gear well yeah before we jump to the other ones one thing kurt and i just while we're on rain jacket topic i thought i'd mention is last august the weather forecast when we were planning to hike into the sheep country, mid-August, right around the 15th, I think it was, doesn't really matter, but mid-August, it would look like it was going to be beauty for at least four or five of our first days, and probably in the mid, mid to low 20s. So one play we make to save weight and bulkiness in our packs is like, we're going to pack our down, and we'll talk about what down we select, but we pack our down or our insulation layers, and we decided to take just the rain gear as the top layer. So you don't want to wear your down through any kind of brushy environment, so we decided to drop like a heavy outer layer jacket, like a guide jacket in that time of year, and then yeah. just pack the rain jackets as what I would have called my outer layer. So I didn't, we didn't pack like that regular outer layer jacket. So we would just like a wear soft shell. Yeah. A soft shell is a good way to put yeah. it. So, yeah, we, we talked about that before we left this last hunt and I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll take mine out. Well, 
I fucking didn't take mine out. I found mine fucking once we got up on the mountain and we were setting up camp. I'm like, motherfucker, I packed my guide jacket in there. Is that an extra two and a half pounds I didn't fucking need? But <laughs> never wore it. Yeah, never, never even, yeah, didn't even know it was in there until I pulled the fucking thing out. So after that, we'll we'll go into uh, our insulation layer. So I've got, I've had the Kuyu um, Super Down jacket. I've had that for a while. Um, it's super warm. If you're hiking, you don't want it on unless it's cold outside. The only thing that I got with that jacket is that if you wear that as an outer layer, it's you're going to be fucking leaking white shit everywhere. Because the very first time I got it for Christmas, we went out cat hunting, going through some fucking trees, and Buddy's like, man, you got fluff all over you. I'm like, what the fuck? I looked down, and this thing had like a six-inch gash in the arm, and all the insulation, all the down was fucking flying out. I'm like, well, am I getting shit for this letter? <laughs> <laughs> so I duct taped it up and it's I still have that jacket because they're pretty pricey. I didn't want to go buy another one, but so it's got fucking tape all over it from nicks and holes and you name it. So definitely don't wear that when you're walking through the brush because you you'll have just a bunch of material with nothing, no loft in it anymore. Yeah, I also have the Super Down Ultra, I think. So Kuyu has two versions and I opted for the Ultra. Um, mainly because it was on sale. So <laughs> you can sit here and say, oh, I picked the Ultra because it's a smaller weight version than the Pro. Well, the fuck, the Kuyu Super Down Jackets are ridiculously light and ridiculously warm for the amount of fucking weight that they carry. Mm-hmm. I picked the Ultra because it was in there. Kuyu has an outlet. I don't know who goes on Kuyu as much as me and Kurt. I think nobody. <laughs> but uh, over the years, we've learned that website well. And one of my strategies used to be to pick away at the Kuyu Outlook in the U.S., because before COVID, I was able to pick up items across the border. So the Ultra was in there, and I picked it up for a smoking deal. And that's what I went with, and it's been great for these early. I actually now maybe consider going to a heavier fill pro for maybe late-season muleys or late-season mountain goat hunts. But right now, it's been great. Um, next to skin lower, or sorry, insulation lower for me, I've been carrying... What do they call them? They're the, they don't even make them anymore. They're the zip-off bottoms. So Kuyu. The Kenai. The Kenai, yeah. The Kenai zip-off bottoms. They're the synthetic fill zip-off bottom. They don't have like a number rating. They just called them the Kenai's back in the day. And now I think they have a super down version of a similar product. Yeah. I had the Kenai jacket and pants. And when I got it, I got the same thing. I was getting like my Christmas present. I'd be like, all I want is Kuyu. That's it. I don't care about else. Don't bother with spending any more money. So... I would just make a fucking list, and then the wife would uh, would usually pick pick up most of them, or maybe X out a couple items. But I had the pants, and when I got them, I'm like, "What the fuck are these things?" Like, I've never they're um, like kind of capri style. They're up yeah, above capri is a good way up above it. the fucking boots with zippers, and I'm like, "You put it on like a diaper." I'm like, "This is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen." I was like, kind of bummed when I got them. Like, this is fucking lame. And then I wore them one time, and I'm like, these things are the smartest fucking things I've ever owned in my life. And I used to wear the jacket. It was pretty durable and pretty warm for walking around in, like, wintertime. But anyways, I had uh, the pants. You're cold when I was guiding moose in uh, November. You're sitting there calling. You get cold fast. Pull your pants down, zip those things on. Or as Ranella would like to say, zip, zip, with his fucking, (laughs) their style of... uh, insulated pants and uh 
Anyways, zip them on, and you're sitting there nice and toasty, and you look over, and your hunter's just freezing his bag off, and you're like, well, buy some gear, buddy. Yeah, Kurt's referring to, like, this the way these things look when you wear them. They do look like an adult diaper, maybe like a Capri Dockers commercial fucking short. So, the, you know, the average hunter puts these on. He's like, what the fuck? I'm not wearing these fucking things. I get it. But Kurt turned me on to this. Well, I think, I, I don't know how this all went down, but Kuyu was one of the first ones to come out with this zip-on next-to-skin layer that you can put on while your boots are still cinched up. And if you're wearing the right gear, you zip off your rain pants, you pull down your outer hiking pants, and you can put on or off your layer to stay warm, to regulate your heat. And I went uh, a little off topic, but another sheep hunt. We went on a, a sheep hunt in the East Kootenays. It was just a couple days, and it wasn't overnight, but we were hiking into different drainages for bighorn. And the older guys that I went hunting with had some pretty good gear and we got up and we hit a snowstorm while we were glassing up on this knob and these guys are shivering they're starting fires and i don't tell them what i'm up to because we have a pretty good relationship and i thought it'd be funny to rip my pants down and just start undressing in front of them so i like popped my bag open grabbed my zip off bottoms out ripped left my boots on pulled my pants down to the ankles like you see the little boys do in like the change rooms or the bathrooms, and then started putting on my insulation layer. And these two, like, older gentlemen, like, in their 40s, were looking at me, kind of side-cocked head, being like, what the fuck do we bring this guy for? Like, what is he doing right now? But then they witnessed what I did, and I put on those zip-off insulation pants, and they were like, holy shit. He's like, where did you get those? And I had to explain. They were like, those are unreal. Like, I can't believe you just put on that. I just zipped them up, and I was warm, and then it's the best thing, and it's my favorite thing to do. Like, that, you pack that. Yeah, uh, another backstory for me with uh, without those before I had them. First sheep hunt, we go wake up in the morning and it's crispy. It's right around zero, so you put your fucking long johns. And I had the Heli Hansen, those blue Polytech long johns, top and bottom, literally two hundred yards from the fucking tent, and I'm sweating my bag off again. I'm like, fuck, take the boots off, take the backpack off, strip right down to my fucking underwear. Take them off, redress, tighten my boots back up, fuck around with that, get them just right, put the backpack on. It was like a 10-minute fucking ordeal, five minutes into my day of hunting. Where now, like, even Kuyu's Lawn Johns, which I got a pair too, and just drop your pants to your fucking ankles, zip them on, pull your pants up, you're good to go. Two minutes later, if you're hot, pull your pants down, zip them off, and you're good to fucking go. So they that was a game changer. I think, as far as I know, they were the first ones that came up with the side zips like all the way down and it, it was fucking money i'm mad my backpack got stolen two years ago and my kenai stuff was in my backpack and i really missed having that so that's that's what devon's insulation is i in the last year ended up picking up a pair of north face um summit series down pants and they were like blow out like 75 percent off online i'm like fuck that's that's a good deal. So I order them. They showed up, and those things are fucking money too. They uh, they're like a third of the price of Kuyu down pants or anyone else's down pants. And the night that we spent in the creek, that thing, I was cold, but those things changed everything for me. They are super fucking super nice. They got articulated knees on them. They're a little bit thicker than like normal down stuff, so you can actually wear them around and and sit on the ground and not have to worry about ruining them. So that's the that's the insulation that we packed. Yeah, I think just 
biggest point of that is if anyone's been thinking about insulation and hiking, look into zip-off bottoms. They have thin to thick. Check them out. We're recommending any type of zip-off underlayer. That's like the biggest thing. Like They look weird when you're on the website and you've never heard anyone talk about them. They're awesome. Try yeah. them out. If you're worried about having a zipper up and down the side of your legs, once they're on, you don't fucking notice them at all. Like it's it's another game changer. So it, we're not we pump Kuyu because that's we've used it. It's I'm not going to change because it's never let me down. So I like it. I get you know the pricing. Everything that is good quality is going to be expensive. So some people bitch even Sitka they bitch about the price. It's like well name a higher quality. You know you can go Arteryx, but then you're looking at something that's three times more than Kuyu and Sitka. So. It is what it is. If you want to be comfortable, you're going to have to buck up. You don't have to be comfortable, but it's yeah. <laughs> if it'll make you last longer on the mountain is kind of what we're saying. So uh, after that, like Devin said, uh, we didn't take a soft shell. For pants-wise, I, uh, I had the Kuyu attack pants, and I, I just brought that. I brought a pair of the down pants. I, I had uh, long johns, didn't pack them. I figured I'd be fine without them. And yeah, I had two shirts. I had a Tiburon shirt, and then I had a little bit thicker synthetic shirt. Um, I don't even know what fucking Peloton fucking shirt. That's what I packed. So in the mornings when you're, it's cool, you can put that second jacket on if you're, if you're cool. And then basically, or not jacket, second shirt on. And then once you start hiking, everyone knows once you start walking, you start sweating and you're shedding layers within the first few minutes. So, uh, Dev, I know you were you had a little bit different stuff, I think. Oh, oh getting after it. Cheers. Cheers. That's the second best sound in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, same attack pants. Been. Uh, Running the Kuyu attack pants for a while, I love them. Tough, easy to hike in. Uh, the hip dumps on Kuyu gear, highly recommended. I don't know, I don't know other gear that well. So, like Kurt said, we we're pretty loyal to Kuyu, not for any reason. We're not getting free Kuyu, but we got turned onto it from guide buddies that recommended it and have liked it ever since. Haven't had problems, but the hip dumps are big for me hiking mid summer scouting and and those types of things for me hiking mid-summer scouting and and those types of things next to or my shirts that i selected i've been on the merino wagon for a bit now i don't it took me a while to actually like them because i don't like the feel of it against my skin i'll say it right now do you get itchy from yeah it? a little bit nah. that will a little bit but once they it's like you wear it for like 10 or 15 minutes and the itch goes away something's weird and but i do really like it the smell the breathability everything they talk about merino so i really wear a really light kuyu merino i think it's the 125 i don't remember the naming of that one and then this time i i knew it wasn't gonna be that cold but i wanted to pack like a like kurt said like a heavier shirt for that long sleeve I just had, I think Stanfield makes them now. They're at Mark's. They're like a merino long sleeve, and you can get different layers of that. But this one I really liked. It's like, I don't, this won't be right, but say 80% merino and 20% like some other kind of stretch fabric. It's mm-hmm. it's nicer, and it was nice and warm. So that's what I picked for my long sleeves. Um, and that was pretty much it for pants, shirts, and base layers that way. And then 
we always look at toques. We always usually pack some kind of toque or beanie type insulation headgear. Even in the, I kind of recommend it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd pack it on a July 31st entry into the backcountry, but honestly, when you're cold, just that little extra warmth sure goes a long way. It's it's a wind factor too. If you're up on a fucking knob and a storm blows in, man, it can get cold. With hit rain's blowing sideways up the valley, and you're sitting there throw a toucan. And then if if you're anything like me and you got a little bit of a bald spot in the back of your head, having a, a mesh hat, you'll get fucking sunburnt real fast. I've learned that up the hard way. So you know, toque is something where you know, or you're sleeping under the stars one night, and you you throw that thing on, it'll help your head stay warm. Um, it doesn't weigh fuck all. It packs away to absolutely nothing. You don't even know it's in your backpack. Just to have it for safety features is uh, something that's worth packing. Some people are maybe more hardcore than we are. Who knows? But that's just something that we throw in. Probably you're a bit of a bitch sometimes. Yeah, I can be a bit of a pussy sometimes. But call me, bro. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, with that, like, same then we'll go to gloves. You know, I... I'm an advocate for packing two pairs of gloves. Um, everything we got is fucking Kuyu. So <laughs> maybe sponsors if you guys want, but just joking. But I'm not. But seriously. Um, <laughs> uh, I, the Alpine gloves I fucking love. Uh, you were the first one that got them, I think. No, the attack gloves. You had the attack. Uh, I never got the Alpines. You were Yeah, sorry, I'm reading it wrong. It's the fucking attack gloves, yeah. yeah. So Devin had them, and I had... I had a bunch of different ones, but my backpack got stolen. I lost all my fucking gear. Um, those gloves are fucking nice. You can shoot with them. You can hike with them. They got wicked grip on the, the palms of your hands. They breathe. You don't sweat. Like those, I wear those all day, every single day. I wear them right now when I'm feeding the horses. I wear them in the winter. I wear them walking. I wear them riding my uh, mountain bike. You know, they, they are wicked. They're just they're they sweet. fit so Rip fucking good. Yeah, they're tight fitting. So like guys, oh, they're too tight and all they're supposed to be. You, like mm-hmm. Kurt said, you can shoot. You could probably shoot a bow with them. I've never tried, but you, I'm yep. sure you could. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You just and have to adjust your stress. Uh, wrist I wash strap. them. I just chuck them in the wash. Yep. And they, I'm, I'm just like fuck it, wash them because they get bloody, they get muddy, they get. They've come out good. Yeah, impressed with those. They're that's like if I was gonna buy two of anything, I'd buy two of those fucking gloves because I. Literally use them every single day for anything. And then I always like to pack a warmer glove. I pack the thin merino gloves that fit inside. They never fit inside gloves good. So I got the, I used to have the Yukon gloves. Once again, they got fucking stolen. So I ended up getting the Expedition gloves and they're super warm. They're waterproof. They're fucking hard to get on. Like I don't have the biggest hands. I mean, I, I wear XL gloves, but. Getting my hands in and out of those things are fucking hard. I and, had the same problem with my Yukons, and I think yeah. it is a bit of a flaw in Kuyu's design. Yeah. It's their cuff. They're a little too tapered. Yeah, they're just, they're really hard. Yeah. They just, I don't know what it is. And if your hands are a little bit damp, fuck, good oh, luck. Yeah. Good fucking yeah. luck getting them in. So I, I did notice they updated their attack gloves to, instead of an elastic wrist, they've actually got a Velcro strap now. Oh. So that might open them up a little bit better to get your hands in and out. But they're, don't get me wrong. I wear them snowmobiling. Like minus 40, those things are fucking money. Um, did you pack two pairs of gloves? Yeah, I pack a Yukon too. So similar to Kurt's Expedition, I have the Yukons and the Attacks. And then on like a glove foot front, socks, 
uh, on this one. <laughs> I uh, I packed one extra pair of socks and ran a pair of socks, and that was planned for eight to ten days in the backcountry. And then at the our call it our like base camp point, our quadding point where we'd go back to. We uh, I had extra clothes in there, but I tried. So this is the first year I've tried the was it darn tough out of Vermont. Ah man, these socks are unreal. Like I wear them now. Like I think I have three or four pairs. I got them for Christmas. And I highly recommend trying them. And the, one of the reasons I recommend trying them, because it's mind-blowing, is they have a lifetime warranty. And I don't know what that means, but apparently if you wear them out through a hole, you're supposed to be able to get a new pair. That's sweet. And yeah, <laughs> they're not more expensive. Like, you look, any Merino socks, you go to any Valhalla Pure or uh, Atmospheres, they're not cheap. Merino socks are always in that $50 or higher range. Yeah, 30 to 50 bucks a pair. And I think these ones are all like around $45 and to have that warranty. So, again, not, not a sponsor of us. First time I've used them, I got pairs now and I fucking love them. They're super comfortable. Yeah, I've I've got smart wool socks. I First time I ever heard of them was the very first sheep hunt I went on. And I bought... Fuck, I think I bought four pairs. First time I went up, I packed four pairs of socks and four pairs of underwear. <laughs> Just no clue. I'm like, well, I don't want your stinky underwear. When you're up there, man, you don't give a fuck what you smell like. Realistically, it doesn't matter. Wear a pair of underwear because you got wet. Yeah. You know, you could always wash them in a creek if you shit yourself or something. But fucking, I don't know. I've, I've knocked that down to two pairs of socks, two pairs of underwear. Um, I've tried every different of thickness of smart wools. First time I went out, I got super thin ones and they had the padded, the cushioned uh, sole and they were good. I had a couple hot spots, but my boots were literally five days old before I wore them to work for five days and then went hunting in them for 10 days. So they weren't even remotely close to being broken. We'll touch on boots after this. Um, so I tried those. The next time I went, I got the thicker ones, the hunt or the expedition smart wools. And I didn't get any hot spots and they were great, but my feet did get hot in them and they were a little bit snug inside the boot. And then the last few years I've gone to kind of that middle, they're thicker than the thin ones, but thinner than the thick ones. Mm -hmm. So so medium. So somewhere right in the yeah, fucking middle. Maybe right? a name for that, like medium yeah. or middle weight. Somewhere, somewhere in there. <laughs> and those things just, they're money. They fit nice. Your feet breathe. They, you get a little bit of extra cushion than the thin ones and... Yeah, like I'll probably, I'll never switch socks, I don't think. I've never had an issue. I know some guys, they've tried the Kuyu socks or and they just got blistered up bad. So I I always, I never buy brand new stuff and take it on the mountain. And the first time I'm going to use it is when I'm hiking up. I'm, I'll fucking take socks, I'll wash them, wear them, wash them again, wear them again. And yeah, I'll, wear them to work. If you're workers yeah. and you wear boots, or not even workers, like tradesmen, just... Put them in your shoes at the office and walk around. Like yeah. put them in shitty shoes and just get used to that shit. You'll yeah. know right away. Hot and weird, sweaty. Yeah, you'll break them in. And I, for my some reason, my feet. If I get socks that are super elasticy, I don't know what it is, but my feet, my feet sweat like crazy. So that might That's be. You're fat. Well, yeah, <laughs> sweat like crazy just tying my shoes. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is, but I just my feet feel fucking fucked up in my shoes and like wearing steel toes for 12 hours a day walking around having good socks makes a big difference so try them out see what you like 
good socks aren't cheap, but good socks. They... Cheap socks aren't good. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> good analogy. Whammy. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the kind of footwear area, we both wear or pack gaiters. Don't always wear them. I ran the MSR ones for a long time, but they also used to honor a lifetime warranty at Valhalla Pier for a while. So you used to be able to trade them in. But then they were, I found they like, they, their water resistance or proofing went away quick. So the MSRs, mm-hmm. they're good. Or Outdoor Rec, sorry, not MSR. Outdoor Rec version. Yeah. And then I've had the Kui ones the last five seasons or four seasons. I like them. My biggest thing about the Kui ones, and I'm not a big guy, is they're super tight. And I fucking struggle to get them stretch on. Stretch the shit out of them. I know that's for a purpose, so... I don't know. Maybe they just need to upsize like a little bit. I have, I don't know, fairly big calves, but not anywhere else on my legs. More like cankles, but yeah, is that what they call something like that? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the they're really good. They do work well, but I, they're honestly that'd be my like about the Kuyu Gators are a little tight. So if any of the fucking designers at Kuyu listen to this shitty podcast, you know. Loosen them up a little bit. <laughs> Give us a little more wiggle room. Uh, I never used to wear gaiters. And my buddy Johnny there, he's like, you got to wear gaiters, man. You got to wear them, got to wear them. I'm like, nah, fuck. And I, when it's hot, my feet sweat once again. Blaming it on the gaiters, not being out of shape. And uh, so I'd never wear them. And then I started fucking the bottom of my pants would just get rallied. Every time I'd go, I had sticks and twigs and holes and you name it. So then I started wearing the gaiters. Well, they definitely save your pants, but I bought two sets of Kuyu gaiters and I got fucking holes in them. Like the, it seems like the very first time I go out, I punch a fucking hole through them and have a little freak out session on the mount, throw some shit off the top and that's because you, you drag walking. your feet mountain hunting like you do when you play hockey. Fucking knuckle dragger. Yeah, fucking caveman out there. Fourth liner, bud. <laughs> um, <laughs> Told so, you this was going to run away from us, and at some point yeah. we're just going to start chirping each we're other. We're just getting going. <laughs> yeah, so footwear, we're going to kind of keep going there. Crocs, it doesn't have to be Crocs, so if you're looking for Holy Souls, there's all sorts of different versions. I think Fields, if there's still Fields. My mom found a set at Fields for real cheap. But that's our camp shoe of choice, Kurt and I have yeah. been using. First time I wore Crocs, and then the one time I just brought light Nike running shoes. Remember that? Yeah. Elk hunting. Did you like that more? They were way comfy. You could tighten them up if you needed, like, Crocs. Everyone knows Crocs. If, if you got to go somewhere fast in a pair of Crocs, you're going to be eating shit. you got to put the four-wheel drive strap on. <laughs> no, well, then if you try to take them off, I can't get those motherfuckers <laughs> off when they're in four-wheel drive. So that was nice. And, they like, you get those Nike free runs. Like, they're a little bit more expensive than Crocs, obviously, but they weigh nothing. They fit nice. If you're just sitting around cramp and it's going to be dry and hot out, those things are pretty fucking nice. But if it's going to be wet, um, they're not good. You're going to have wet feet all the time. And Crocs are kind of the same thing. I bought some down slippers. Um, I don't even know what fucking brand they were, but they come up about six, seven inches, and they're filled with down. they got a rubber bottom on them, so they're kind of waterproof. And I was going to pack them when we went sheep hunting, but the weather was warm and I'm like, fuck, I'm not, they're, they're warm. Like they're for going out in November, you know, late October when it is quite cold out and you got to get up, take a piss in the middle of the night, you know, put your cold boots on and slip those things on. But I didn't pack them. I did buy them for the trip, but I ended up just taking Crocs and fuck you strap your Crocs to the outside of your backpack. You don't know they're there. Like they're 
it's nice to have those on. First thing you do when you get back to camp is fucking take your boots off and put your Crocs on. So yeah, let the feet breathe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, boots. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, I'm wearing the Mendel Canada Pro, whatever the fuck number, five thousand or something like that. I've had these boots for well almost ten years now. You know, I look after them. I don't. I'm not saying that I fucking really really look after them like they're you could tell they're worn but they haven't let me down my feet don't get wet the soles are getting pretty wore down the leather's starting to get cracks in them and i wear those fucking things all the time and they're they're not cheap but to last that long and as many hunting trips i've used them for i use them riding horses a quad and you name it i wear them all the time um devin you're you're in a different yeah it took well it took getting more serious about backcountry hunting years ago to stop wearing not that there's anything wrong with the irish setter elk trapper boots i like them as a boot i have them here this weekend i got the, go, I, everyone i know has got a pair of those yeah because they were like a 100 bucks when they were on sale and i've mountain hunted in those and your feet just die and they're wet and shitty soles and i would wear those boots for some time for certain applications maybe truck hunting um i switched i it's actually funny. I don't, I don't really have to tell this story that I'm going to anyways because you guys decided to listen to this bullshit. Yeah. Sit uh, there and shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> uh, when Kurt, this is called the whole, like, what you can afford. And I really wanted new boots for our next back. This was years ago for our next backpack trip. And I was settled on Hanwag. I researched it. I tried them on at Valhalla. I got a Valhalla Pier in Nelson right there good people there they're really knowledgeable and i wanted the trapper tops and they're about a 500 hundred dollar boot and i at the time you know young family starting and you know dumping 500 dollars on a pair of boot the wife wasn't really like why you know that doesn't make any sense is it necessary yeah so i ended up selling my old truck i had an old f-250 1978 to my buddy and i sold it for like 500 bucks and I bought a pair of boots, so I've literally sold the truck to buy my pair of yeah. boots, and I'm still wearing them to this day, and I've loved them. Um, they fit my feet really well, and but it was weird. Now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, fuck. Sold a pair. Of, I sold a truck to buy a pair of fucking hunting boots. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> but yeah, Hanwag Trapper Tops, great boot. A lot of guys uh, I've talked to have been. It's either Mendels or Hanwags. It seems every time I talk to somebody. Uh, Scarpa here and there, but for us, it's been two leather uppers. We haven't gone to the synthetic yet because the leathers have been so durable. Yeah, I know guys that rave about the synthetics, and I'd like to try them. I just yeah, me too. I, I'm just terrified of spending 500 bucks on another pair of boots that I'm not going to like. And because of that, because I go through steel toe boots, and I've bought the Red Wings, I've bought the Timberlands, I've bought the cheap ones, and. You know, the cheap ones are the comfiest. The people might not want to hear that, but they are. Just they last four months and then they're toast. And you buy the good ones and they fucking take forever to break in. And then you end up buying another pair because you don't like those pair. Next thing you know, you got $600 worth of steel toe boots and you're wearing the fucking $80 Marks boots. So I I got a boot that works. It'd probably be really hard for me to switch to a different company. I'd like to try them on, obviously. It's hard. There's nothing in Quinell that no one has boots here. I ordered my boots, my Mandels, from Fisher's Home Hardware in Vernon, and they were great to deal with. They shipped them to me. The first pair they shipped me were different. They were kind of a low-ankle one, 
and tried them on. They were super narrow. I'm like, no, these things are fucking killing me. So I called them, shipped them back. They paid the shipping back. They shipped me the Canada Pros. I paid whatever the difference was. Gave me a thing of wax and laces with it. And I've had those ever since. So shout out to Fishers because I think it's called Fishers. Pretty sure. Anyways, shout out to them because they were fucking great service. Yeah, that's actually interesting that you shout out to somebody. Um, buddies of mine own a shoe store in Nelson. Uh, you can look them up online. DeVito's Shoe Repair. Uh, it's a family-owned business. They've been an uh, Italian family that's been cobblers. They're like one of the only leather shoe cobblers left in, fuck, I think a lot of North America, to be honest, that Damn actually great. cobble shoes. They resole shoes. They These guys are cool, and they're, they're just good guys. They're same age as us, and then their, their dads taught them how to be. It's generational shoe cobbling. So it's really neat. Mm-hmm. They're doing really well, family-owned business, and... When I bought my trapper tops, I went to them first with their buddies of mine. I wanted to buy boots from them, but they didn't have mountain style boots. It was mainly Red Wings and mainly athletic type wear. Now, this last year, they're the official Mendel dealer, and nice. they're also the official resoling Mendel. So they'll they have the factory Vibram soles that Mendel produces for their boots. Nice. And guys get them cork. So a little bit of an ad plug here. This isn't an actual paid ad, but I thought I'd you know, reach out to those guys too, saying like, if your logger's wearing Mendel's and they, they cork Mendel's, you can, Kurt, Kurt's are a little bit too far gone. Like his uppers are probably too far to be resold. Yeah. But he could get his resold if he wanted from these guys. The soles, it's definitely seen better days, but it's more the leather starting to crack and dry out. And yeah. Like they're good for, I'm going to have to upgrade, I think by next year, but uh, moving on from boots, that's kind of it's kind of all for clothes that we took for backpacking. Yeah, I kind of had just before we completely jump away from clothes. I just had like items that guys forget. So if you're going alpine uh, sheep hunting or just alpine hunting in general in the summer, sunglasses. Pack yeah. your sunglasses. It, don't care. Don't bring your most expensive pair, but put it. Go if you forgot, stop at a gas station. Put sunglasses in. It'll go a long way. Yeah, get $20 gas station cheap polarized glasses because fucking squinting for five days, you're going to get some serious fuck. And then looking through binoculars for five days, you're going to have some fucking migraines. Yeah, so Uh, that one and I had a belt on my list. So try your belt out with your backpack. My biggest recommendation is if you, oh, I'll just throw my big old leather belt that I've always worn and maybe it works with your backpack harness. Mine doesn't always and I have a shitty time trying it so i've been trying suspenders i've been doing different things but i still always settle back on a belt but find that one that you like that works well with your suspension yeah (laughs) and try it with weight yeah you do you're not going to notice it when you got 40 pounds in your backpack or even 80 pounds you don't notice it like i used to just wear my fucking leather belt with all my hunting pants until i packed that fucking elk out two years ago and i had a goddamn fucking raw spot on my lower back that it was fucking bad. I get hurt. <laughs> so um, I've, I walked the Kuyu, the flat belt, whatever the fuck they're called. Climbing called. belt type style, I yeah. think they call it. And <clears throat> like packing the sheep out last year and packing the elk out last year. Like it depends on how you pack the weight in your backpack is where it's going to ride on you. For some reason, mine always, I'd obviously am not packing it properly because it always sinks right to the bottom and it's just right on your fucking right One above more. your ass bone and yeah. it rubs that fucking raw. I know you got the the first light suspenders. Yeah. And you wore those on the pack out of the sheep. What do you your review on that? I thought when you first said that you got them, you got me a pair and 
I'm like, well, I'll let you try them out first and see how they go. And I'm like, it makes sense. Yeah, it totally just, makes sense. I wanted but. to go to this because I was the belt has been an issue, especially for you know those uh, thicker bone gentlemen out there in the backpacking community. You know, we're a little husky, a little, a little like, on an age. We're not as slender all the time. Curvy, curvy, is what they call so curvy. yeah, curvy, yeah. Uh, you know, the pack sometimes rides weird on the old haunches. That's just nature of most guys like that we talk to and see hunting. Not everyone's built like a fucking fence post. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I've kind of seen guys wearing backpacking suspenders. No one's really hitting that market because I don't think a lot of guys want to wear them. I like them. It's still not perfect. So I found like, even though it's a first light product, like someone that they're building it directly for backpack style hunters... It was good, but it had its bads. The one bad is if you want to wear them and take a shit really quick, you got to shed. Like, if you got jackets, like, if you got jackets on the top of your suspenders and you got to take a shit, you have to shed everything to get your suspenders down. So, nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah, Kurt probably, well, it, that's probably the reason Kurt didn't want to wear them. Take it from me. I wore them once this last winter. I was fucking walking around looking for cat tracks and nature called and I was trying to shed my stuff off, man, and I almost shit my pants. The suspenders were hung up, and I had to get right down to my fucking t-shirt, and then strip. I finally get down and go, and I'm like, it sucked. So test your gear out before yeah. you go out in the fucking mountains, because I personally wouldn't. I would take them going on a day hunt, no issue. That's not a big deal. But backpacking where you're layered up. It's something I'm not putting in my bag, I don't think. I thought I would switch over to them. I thought it was going to be because they are that comfortable. So one thing, they are nice and comfy when you do have your pack on. But then at the same time, my Kuyu pack, the lumbar pad on the Kuyu pack, landed right on the little plastic buckle on the back of the suspender. And it would rub that buckle into my back. So I used mm-hmm. like a chunk of paracord and, and moved the buckle up higher and did some things. It just wasn't ideal. So I actually thought I'd switch to suspenders. I thought, oh, this is going to be game changer. And I think I'm just going to go back to the, the flat, comfortable belt. It's, yeah. It's interesting. Unless someone comes out with an even more quick-release, flat-laying suspender. Um, well, you know. something like a tie-down. Like, you know, we grew up playing hockey and whatnot. And the old pants, and before the, everyone had a, a waist belt, they all had suspenders. And it was just kind of like you're not going to have a button system, but I like what you did where you tied the paracord yeah. on it because maybe come out heavy will come out with their own suspenders. Yeah, yeah. fucking <laughs> <laughs> trademark that shit. Trademark, yeah. yeah write that down. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's all for clothing. I think we're gonna jump on to. Uh, we kind of just have gear, and then we have a bunch of subcategories of gear because with backpack hunting, you have all sorts of items to remember and put in for different circumstances and things so the first one we highlighted was camp gear so we call our camp gear like kind of break it into different categories it has like cooking and flashlights and uh just all that little nitpicky lifestyle type stuff that you still need or want for the the amenities in the backcountry the gear category this is where people's kits are going to have a big difference. Like with the clothes and the sleep gear, it's you need a sleep bag, you need a tent, shit like that. You need a jacket, you need rain gear. This is where you really make your, your kit your own. Like there's my list has changed six fucking times. And there's probably only a handful of things that stay the same. And there's some shit I throw out and never use again. There's some stuff I add where I'm like, Phew, 
I've been missing out not using this for the last 10 years. So we kind of, yeah, got it broke down to more camp gear, which is stuff that you're, you know, when you're back to the tent or stuff you're packing with you, like um, cooking supplies and whatnot. And then the next one would be like tech gear. That would be, we'll go into detail on all these categories, but just for now, tech gear. And then your hunting gear, your general hunting gear that you're going to pack, you know. And when you're hunt specific too. Yeah, definitely hunt, hunt specific. specific. So we'll, we'll break it down camp gear uh, right now. Um, Dev, you want to kind of list off the first few things on yeah. here? Uh, stove. So you're cooking stove. Everyone's got to consider what they're, they're going to do the freeze-dried meal, which I assume all back pack hunters are probably going to take a couple freeze dried meals depending on your duration but i think that's going to happen and with the over the years kurt and i have carried a few different stoves so we've looked at kurt's always carried the jet boil style uh compressed gas cylinder stove and then for years i didn't have one of those so i carried the MSR, just like a whisper light white gas style, and that worked good for us. And then we kind of both just got on the jet boil train for its convenience and just super easy. And we haven't had a problem with the that type of stove for the hunts we've been on. So that's our go-to cooking stove. We don't carry cooking pots or pans. Uh, the jet boil has its good cup that you boil in. Well, I'm gonna cut you off. We did pack pots and pans one time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, we did. <laughs> Okay, I'll go into this fucking story here. So, being amateurs, long time ago, we're going for our five-day elk hunt. And we're in fucking grizzly country. Anyways, being a little bit not quite comfy going to bed in a tent and, like, grizzly bears fucking a couple hundred yards away, we decided to spend one afternoon fortifying camp. So, we went got all the blowdown we could find. We made, like, a little makeshift fence around our little camp and... The one area was a cliff and the other area was a bank up above us. So we stacked fucking blow down and brush, I don't know, three, four feet high. So at least if something came into camp, we would hear it coming through that little fence we made. And then on the, the other side where we didn't, we ran out of brush, we strung a bunch of paracord across. <laughs> I had, we had a bunch of rocks set up and I had pots and pans and everything tied to this paracord. And they were just hanging on by a sliver. So if something bumped that rope, it was kind of like a tripwire. Then the pots and pans would fall off the rocks and make a racket. And so yeah, we would we kind of slept better after we had that. The first few nights we had some shit come through camp and we didn't sleep very much. Let's just say that. So that was kind of a we I've never pot packed pots and pans ever since. Like then I'm not talking fucking cast iron pans, I'm talking the small, lightweight backpacking cookware, but yeah, it was it was good for one thing. It was good for a fucking bear defense fence line. <laughs> I think it's funny like we packed in pots of pans. Two guys that barely know how to fucking cook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pots and pans to fucking eat packaged food. Yeah, well, that was funny. I mean, not as far of a trip as our our sheep hunts, but uh, still a good laugh at what we used to get up to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I've been packing either a little stainless steel pot or a cup to have my coffee and my oatmeal in. You can condense it down to different versions of it. Now we've both think got like little titanium coffee cups and the jet boil has that little plastic cup that you can make oatmeal in and whatnot. So that's kind of been 
our go-to there. We don't really have a lot of cooking gear. That's all we really need with the way we pack our foods, uh, forks, like your either your camp spork or your anything there. We've discovered like most backcountry enthusiasts that a long-handled fork or spoon type setup for eating in the mountain house to keep everything clean and contained and not having mess all over the place has been handy. So we, we throw that in, in our gear there. Um, I don't think for cooking wise, there's much else. Is there anything else that you think we add to that, Kurt? No, not really. It's pretty simple. Um, back to the, the stove stuff. I got a jet boil first time I went up, same jet boil, 10 years. Never had an issue with it. And I take this thing to work with me, um, take it fishing, nothing when, you know, fishing in the spring when it's cold and a cup of coffee or whatever. You take those little Nest Cafe instant coffees with you, man. And pff, it definitely keeps the wife on the boat longer. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a one hour fishing trip, I can maybe squeeze two or three out of her. But um, people complain about the jet balls. They've never let me down. So I don't really know what what else I can say about that. Um, that's about it for cook gear. Um, camp stuff, though, like stuff like a hatchet. You know, when we go on our uh, five-day uh, elk hunts, we'll take a hatchet or something there just to build a fire. On our sheep hunt, I, I had a hatchet. I had a little lightweight fisker. And I ended up opting out and I got that uh, Camilla's carnivore machete. And I had like a little bit of a saw on the back. And that thing fucking, I'm, I ended up breaking it this fall. I hit it off a rock cutting brush and snapped the end off. So uh, maybe I'll get Frontiersman gear to fashion oh, yeah. me up on there. There you go. I'm sure he'll make a pretty badass fucking yeah, sword. Yeah, we'll send him the picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, come out, come out heavy version. You got to stamp it. C-O-H. Yeah. Hatchet, we'll call it the pack hatchet or the pack uh, machete. Lightweight though, we want that exoskeleton, like all that new fucking gear, your that badass knives you're posting all over the place. No, no, I want a goddamn katana sword. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk, bud. Anyways, um, yeah, so that was one thing that, you know, kind of considered that with camp. Um, we always pack salt, so... Like, I kind of, I don't know if this is right or not, but I was told when I started, uh, two pounds of salt each. If you get something, two pounds of salt will get you back to the truck and then resalt it when you get back home or whatever. So, you know, we kind of went from that. We we packed extra salt in the truck. We had extra salt in the quads. I think we packed two pounds each in our backpacks. In our backpacks, we packed two pounds each. Just in case we both got into a sheep or not. And just at that point, we used all of it on Kurtz just because it's like... Might as well not pack the salt out in the bag. Let's put it on the high. Yeah, my thought was. Might as well. And then I was like, well, I might as well let Kurt pack my salt out. So it worked really well that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So other things on here, like flashlights. I like to pack. I've got one of those Surefire flashlights. Um, The fucking things are bright. They're waterproof. I've had it for a long time. Never let me down. I always pack. Takes those goofy batteries that you got to get, but... I pack a couple of those. I've never killed batteries on a hunt because, you know, especially in those August hunts, it's fucking daylight till like 11, 1130. So 
really, unless you got to get up in the middle of the night to take a piss, you don't really need it. Uh, headlamps, that's another thing. Uh, this we're kind of mixing into tech gear here, but no, headlamps are camp gear. Headlamps camp <laughs> gear. I always pack two, no matter what. And it, fuck, you don't have to go buy a Surefire two hundred dollar headlamp. I use those cheap ones, Costco. You can get three of them. I don't even know what make they are, but last year I bucked up and got a black diamond rechargeable one, and that thing is fucking pretty deadly. Yeah, I uh, I definitely think a good headlamp so i disagree a little bit with the costco thing like i don't care you can do people can do whatever but i decided just from come a couple of those packouts we've done and a couple of those bushwhacking expeditions late at night coming out of elk country that a headlamp that fails you would be and i've seen well actually the one place that i've seen where a headlamp failed was dad and i did that horseback hunt for caribou and we were trying to find a camp spot in the dark and his headlamp fails and i only had mine, but I had two, and I've never had problems. So I'm the same way, like two headlamps. Um, I went to the Petzl Actics, and now I've got the Actic cores, which have the rechargeable core batteries, mm-hmm. and they're awesome. They're not that expensive, but the you can recharge the batteries off your battery cells. You can recharge your batteries off the solar panel if you bring one. So if you're looking, if you're a guy who's like super into saving weight and space... You don't have to pack AAA batteries because you're already going to pack your power bar or you can charge them off your solar panel. And those Petzl Actics have been super lightweight, really neat feature. You know, for all you Nietzsche guys out there is there's a, a survival whistle right in the headband. So I don't pack a whistle. I save a lot of weight and room on that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those those Actics have been really good. Um, I don't pack a flashlight. No? No. So I don't know if you knew that. I don't pack like a, a good torch, like one of the really bright ones. I just pack my Actics. They're both 350 lumens on full. And uh, I don't know. I just, well, maybe I didn't want to spend the money on a Surefire. Mm-hmm. I think I literally was just like, I like them. They're cool. They're fucking bright. I just I was like, ah, fuck it. Two, yeah. good, two good headlamps and went that way. Definitely. Um, Water bladders. I usually like to pack, before I'd always pack one, and then I would throw two Nalgene bottles in. This last trip, I ended up packing a water bladder for drinking with a hose on it, and then I got one of those MSR camp water bladders, and they get held... Uh, six liters? No, eight, I think. I think oh, it was six liter MSR. The, my, the big one's eight. It's big. It's yeah, fucking it's six, huge. six, for sure. Is it? Okay, yeah. yeah. It might be eight, but it's six for sure. Yeah. Regardless, like... You know, like we talked about the one episode, how we got up there, there was no fucking water. So when we did find water, we loaded everything up. And I mean, if you found water close to your camp, load everything up with water because you're going to have, you know, have dinner. You're going to have your mountain houses or whatever else. Have a bottle of water in a tent with you. Wake up in the morning, you're going to make your coffee. You're going to make breakfast. You're going to pound a lot of fucking water and fill your bladders up the night before. So you wake up in the morning, you don't got to go find a creek, fill your bladder up, load it in your backpack. You can get up and just go hunting when everything's loaded. So that was another thing. Yeah, um, water water storage is interesting over the years, and I think it evolved with us. Like, Well, and anyone, you, a lot of guys just pack shitty plastic water bottles, and that works because it's cheap, and you can get it done, and, and you move on. They're loud, they're crinkly, and they can break. So if you do break one, you're fucked. So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Like, don't go too cheap. Water bladders, we really like because when they're empty, they're flat. 
And I kind of triggered something that I've been thinking about with this whole lightweight backpacking type stuff. So most guys are like, how much is the weight? How much is this weight? How much is this weight? And we do, like everyone tracks their weight. I don't think people track, maybe this is just me, but they don't track the bulk of items, how bulky an item is. It can mm-hmm. be light, but if it's bulky, it drives me nuts. So I get super anal with bulk. So square, hard items suck. So I now only pack one hard water bottle because of that. Mm-hmm. And usually that's my shaker bottle or something for my protein powder. And ladder's really good. Kurt, I was impressed with Kurt's MSR or any of those lay flat type water bottles. Mm-hmm. Matt has one. He was on the last episode or a couple episodes ago. He will carry his one. And I was impressed with those because they lay flat when they're done. They're just as light. And then I even went, when I thought about that, going to the less bulky items. When I carried the salt this year, I did it with for Kurt for our backpacks. I put salt in uh, the vac seal bags, but I didn't vacuum the salt. I just left it loose in a, like a good durable bag. Like you could use a Ziploc, but I wouldn't want the Ziploc to blow open in your backpack full of two pounds of salt. So I went away from packing a box of salt and they laid flat. So I'm anal about that. I'm not as anal about how much everything weighs, but I'm I'm super anal about how I can stuff it in my pack without having it be super awkward. Yeah, definitely. Um, next, we we started when we started uh, doing the backpack shit. I had an MSR water filter. You didn't mention that yet, have you? No, we no filters. filters. So we started with that. I still have it. I still have the same fucking one. Still works flawlessly. It's the hand pump style. The hand pump style, yeah. So a little bit bulky, a little bit heavy. Does its trick. You're going to use that. You're not going to give fucking Jardia. Um, Devin picked up that. It's the platypus gravity works is what they call it. Yeah, that that thing, we we left the pump at home. We left it with the quad in case something happened, but that thing's fucking another quality item that's new. Yeah, we've been using it for three trips now, I think, or two for sure. I've been really impressed with it. They're pretty inexpensive. Um, honestly, like, I haven't mentioned this yet, but if you guys are listening to this episode and and you have a better tip on this stuff, fuck, we'd appreciate the direct messages after this episode. Tell us what you guys are using. If you have experience with some of this, if you've had bad, more, more than anything, don't tell us you've had, if we're already happy with an item. It's not so much tell us that you're happy with that item too. I want to know the items that we're saying we're using. If you've had bad experiences with it, maybe tell us because maybe there's something we're missing and we just haven't come across it yet. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, have you guys done this? But yeah, the Gravity Works filter system soup. If you don't know about it and if you're looking at getting a, a water filter, look up Platypus Gravity Works. What it comes with is, is a four liter dirty bag. So that's the bag you scoop the water with. Then it comes with an inline filter and it comes with a clean bag. So you just hang, which is nice. You don't have to sit there and pump. So you're not burning calories. I know it's like a small thing, but man, you're, those pumps, if you're pumping up to eight liters of water, your hands actually get like tired and, yeah. and it's slow. Whereas you can, well, we filter water, we're washing, we're having protein drinks. We're, if we're at a water source, that's usually when we decide to have our protein because you're not going to waste your pack water. You want to use the water that you know is available. That's what I look at it anyway. So you pound maybe a protein drink and you have maybe a noon or an electrolyte drink or something that'll pick you up while you have that available water. But it's sweet. You lay it up and it just filters out, trickles down. One thing we messed up on is we probably should have packed a spare filter. That was my bad. Yeah. Just in case you plug a filter. 
So these drain style and even the pump style filters, they if they get you get sedimenty water, which Kurt and I did in that one creek bottom was super mineral rich. It'll plug your filters quick. Now we found if you reverse blue in the filter after using it, you could blow a lot of that sediment back out and it would work good again. But if we did that for ten days, we might have got ourselves in trouble. Yeah. We might have plugged our water filter and then been caught with our pants down again. Yeah. yeah. Learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, gravity works. If someone's had anything else, shoot us a message if you think there's better options. But that one goes back to like the compactability too. Super lightweight. Um, one system, if you were like super quick and you want to do it, you get eight liters of water in one go because you can just filter four and then keep the dirty bag and pinch it off and bring it back to camp. And what you do is you hang the dirty bag up and just have the filter and the tube hanging there and you can fill up your coffee cup. You can fill up a water bottle whenever you want. It's pretty neat. So check them out. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, I'm going to get one there this spring and just to have is pretty money. Um, life straw. I throw it in just for emergencies. I've never used it, never had to use it. Honestly, I assume you just stick it in the water and suck on it. I have no fucking idea. But Yeah, I haven't used it yet either. You know what I always say? Like when I'm even when I'm hunting, I'm like, I should just drink my water out of the creek through this instead of wasting the one I packed. Yeah. Because if you kill something, you want that pack water and I've been there, I've drank it all on my hike in and then I have nothing for my hike out. Yeah. So that's something I always throw in just for a safety feature. Uh, baby wipes. This is a must. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, goes into toiletries and probably like general care. Yeah. So some people pack dry toilet paper. Having a dry toilet paper is nice, but baby wipes, it's more for just wiping your butt. <laughs> like your armpits, when you're six, seven days back and you're sweating, you start to stink. You can clean your armpits. You can clean your face with them. You can... Pull the old forzy back, whatever you got to do, man. Like, <laughs> uh, these things are money. And, you know, we, I usually pack a pretty big fucking pack of them because some people get plugged up in the mountains. I'm the opposite. Fucking she all runs out. So I go through them quite a bit. People that know me know already know that. So that's a big one. Toiletries, it kind of whatever people like. Like a pack of toothbrush, toothpaste, dental floss. I used to pack some pit stick. Sometimes I do, sometimes don't. What about you? Yeah, toiletries, I got a list that I always use. Fuck, the toiletries are weird for me. I pack them because I think I'm going to use them, and then I never fucking use them. And they're not heavy. I pack small items, but it's like I the biggest thing I do for my toiletries and for anyone out there looking to, where should I buy toiletries? Go to the travel sections in Walmart, London Drug, Shoppers Drug, Mart, all those kind of places to travel. Get the travel mini size. stuff. Mini. Mini everything is the way to go, and... I pack stuff like it kind of goes into like survival and toiletries kind of combined. You know, I pack those water purifying tabs. I usually pack a pack of those because if your filter does get plugged, you can drop water purifying tabs. Or if you're drinking really shitty water that you're not certain that filter got it double all, up. We, you can double down. Deodorant, if I do, I pack unscented. Find that. You're hunting. Don't put on fucking Irish spring. <laughs> I packed Old Spice last time. It was well, I packed right. cologne for you, but not deodorant. <laughs> uh, Tums. Yeah, Tums is a good one. Uh, and on that topic, Zantac. So heartburn and acid reflux relief is nice. The diarrhea pills I like to put in my toiletries. I've never had it yet. Imodium. Yeah, Imodium yeah. is a big one if people don't know. I like to pack small nail clippers. 
because small nail clippers come in handy for more than like cuticle care out in the back country you know uh no you can use i like nail clippers for clipping off you know bad threads or just doing different gear repair and stuff too one thing kurt and i've packed and i i don't know if everyone gets this but we've had chafe in the past in in the thigh region and having that we have like a good chafing cream and it, it might not just be for your like hiking chafe it could go on back pack strap areas just anywhere where there's been rubbing saddle sores we call them just like when you're horseback so that cream if you need it it sure comes in handy um tylenol polysporin lip balm blister cushions all that stuff think about it suntan lotion if you're gonna go july and it's gonna be bluebird for five to ten days you'll want it on your ears you'll want it on the back of your neck you should put it on your face I had my my calves fucking got sunburnt one time. I it was so hot. I had my pants rolled up, walking across the plateau, and from the, the top of my calves down to my boots were fucking Jesus. like cherry fucking red. <laughs> yeah, so like little stuff that you don't think about, like because you're thinking about all the big items that you need, and then the little ones can go a long way. I like to pack a pack of gum. Yeah. I put a pack of gum in my toiletry bag because it's nice to have every once in a while. Uh, Kurt said toothbrush and toothpaste. I. Switched away and went minimalist on this. That's last just because you don't brush your fucking teeth. Oh, well, that's fair. But I you tried those. Uh, I don't know what they call them. They're like crest one brush things. You the toothpaste is already on the sticks, mm-hmm. and you don't need water. I they're pretty good. They freshen it up and they did a job. So, yeah, I mean not something you need, but those are ideas. And then one thing I was telling Kurt, I always pack is my dad does leather work, so he has those big heavy duty needles and that heavy duty gear thread so i always pack you know 12 feet of thread and and a big needle and that's for like gear repair if you blew a strap on your backpack and you need to stitch it back up i mean that'd go a long way just to have that so kind of stuff there um other than that with gear for camp and daily general gear I think we kind of covered all of it. If you guys have questions or hell, send us a gear list of your own that we missed on. If there's things, there's a few, few more things I got on my list here. Uh, I would pack flagging ribbon, like just some flashing ribbon, whatever logging block ribbon. I always just roll that up into a small, you can get quite a bit into like a toonie size roll. If you ever got a ribbon, something off or a trail or a kill, it's nice to be looking for a ribbon instead of looking for a tree in amongst millions of fucking trees. Um, tenacious tape was another one. Like tenacious tape, duct tape works just as good. It's a little bit cheaper. Um, and here's a funny fact for people. The till receipts that you get when you go to a grocery store or wherever, the little plastic rollers inside that the receipt paper comes in, if you can ask for those empty rolls, a fucking normal width duct tape rolls on top of that absolutely perfect with like millimeter each side to spare and it weighs nothing and then instead of wrapping your duct tape on top of itself you start with that little core and it just it wraps on really fucking nice doesn't weigh anything and you could put a couple of feet of duct tape on there and you just there's a little trick what fucking but, boy scout did you learn that from yeah, from that guy from the Nietzsche video <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good <laughs> yeah um paracord i always like to throw a little bit of paracord in it it saved me a couple times i got cliffed out yeah 50 feet each usually i think yeah. is our goal i uh climbed up a fucking super 
well, it was a vertical cliff. Felt like Spider-Man in my brand new Mindells. Got up to the top and I couldn't crest over. I grabbed a rock to pull myself up. Rock popped out. And then I'm stuck on a cliff and now I got to go 25 feet down. And I ended up having to take my backpack off, finding my paracord in my backpack, lowering my backpack all the way down. And like if I'm talking at the top of the crest of a mountain. So if you fall off, you're landing on shale and the shale is steep as fuck. And you're going down that shale for 400 yards. till you hit the tree. So you're dead. So that was a, I always pack some of that because that saved my ass. If I would have had to climb down that cliff with my backpack on my back, I would have fallen for sure. So that's something why I always keep, doesn't weigh nothing, doesn't take up any space. And I always have a little bit of that. And then you can repair stuff with it as well. Um, SOS Bivy, that's, that'll save your life if you need it. Like the survival blanket? Yeah. yeah. A little space blanket. Space blanket. Weighs yeah. nothing, takes up no room. I don't. We used ours on our last sheep hunt. I don't yeah. know if it helped, but we put it on the ground to help reflect heat back up. Was it, our play? It did. It yeah. made a big difference. Like we weren't in a survival situation; we were in a comfort situation, like how to stay warmer that night and maybe get some sleep. Yeah, uh, bug dope. You know. Yeah, depending on the time of year. Depending on the time of year, you don't have to take a fucking goddamn off deep woods can with you, but like you, you go through quite a bit of bug dope at least until you get up into the alpine. And then the wind kind of keeps them down. But when you're going through the timber, man, they'll fucking pick you up and fly away. So I pack a, a seat, like a foam little seat. I found those Z, the Z seat by Thermarest has been pretty handy. They're a little mm-hmm. light duty, but super lightweight if you want to sit. Glassing pads, guys call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, if you're really looking for cheaper, easier ones, those, uh, the fuck are they called? I can't remember exactly. They're the ice fishing ones that Walmart usually sells into your clearance. You get them for like five bucks. They're yeah. about a half inch thick. Those have been super same idea. I've liked those over the years. Um, Rain cover for backpack is a big one too. Yeah, if you if your backpack supplier doesn't have one, just go to your and you get any atmosphere yeah, anywhere you just get, get them. Fire starter. I like to pack the chemical type, the white chemical powdery cube types. Those things are. Fuck, you can't, you can light those in anything. The zinc cubes. Yeah. Yeah. The white, uh, they're coming like 16 packs and you light the whole wrapper and all. I've never had wet enough conditions where that fucker doesn't light. Guys will be like, oh, I use the sawdust, I use the flints, fuck that. For the weight of those white cubes. Bic lighter in the cube. Bic lighter in a (laughs) Ziploc bag. That is my fire starter kit. And I I don't take one Bic lighter. I take like fucking four brand new ones and I take a dozen cubes you never you might not need them you might use them all the time i don't know but they're slick i have an item on my list that i haven't packed every time and it's a multi-tool i think it is important to have one between a group like a leatherman yeah yeah they're fairly heavy but i've been looking into the lighter weight options that leatherman has they have some really lightweight ones for backpacking i just have like a winchester one like whatever those kit ones that canadian tire would sell yeah and collaborate on these gear lists like what me and kurt are doing right now Ooh, baby. Crispy cold boy. Uh, that's athlete beer. Yeah. Um, talk to your hunting partners if you're not doing solo missions. Don't pack two Leathermans. No. Like, fuck, guys. Like, talk to each other. Don't pack two of some items. Don't pack two hatchets. Don't pack two machetes. Talk about those items. Don't pack two. Do you pack two tents if you're going together? Sometimes you do with solo tents, but like, those are the ones. So a Leatherman can come a long way needing needle on those players to pull a 
you know, with needle and thread through something to fix something on your rifle, fix something, crimp something over. They have cutters. I don't know. They could go a long way. A lot of this stuff guys will say on other podcasts and other issues like, well, if you don't have two uses for it and you don't think you're going to use it, don't pack it. Mm-hmm. Well, Kurt and I have said before, this is real life shit. This is the ones that some guys are built differently. Like those guys might be wired to put up with shit better than everyone. But if you're a regular guy and you just want to have a few things that will keep you health ha- happier and I don't know, more comfortable in the backcountry, I would recommend packing those items. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, for camp gear, uh, that's, that's basically it. What yeah. about you? I think that's it for um, camp gear. Tech gear. I, I always pack batteries. Um, like now I got one headlamp. That's the triple A's. I always pack probably six extra triple A's. Um, I pack extra surefire batteries. Um, I used to pack a GPS. Now with my inReach, I don't. But um, I pack double A's. I have a fucking and a big bag of batteries weighs fucking quite a bit. At the yeah, end of the day, I don't pack batteries anymore just because of the items I've chose to use. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, now that being said, on batteries, we I say I don't pack batteries, but I pack battery cells the or power the, packs, banks. the power banks. So I do pack usually a large power bank. Kurt and I. Both have one each typically, and I think they say they'll recharge a phone up to 11 times, probably eight for sure. Um, the new ones are pretty, pretty fucking impressive. Mine is seven, eight years old when they first kind of started getting popular. It's the size of a cell phone, weighs a little bit more than a cell phone. I've never drained it on a hunt. Yeah, and this year I we decided to take a solar panel. We've seen them. Um, I did a bunch of research on solar panels. When I say that, I mean, I went on the internet and typed in backpacking solar panels and read a bunch of shit. So I'm not saying I fucking tested them. Uh, and I was going to buy a gold zero. I went into this hunt for sheep saying, Kurt, I'll get the solar panel this trip. Kurt was like, yeah, sweet. Cause Kurt was going to buy a sill tarp. So we share, that's the other thing. We share items like that. If you got a good hunting partner and you both want to save some money. Kurt bought the Silterp this year. I bought a solar panel. We kind of, you know, went down the middle on some things there. Um, I read poor reviews on the Goal Zero. I'm not saying I've used it and it has poor features or it works poorly, but for the price and everything, I didn't see really good reviews on it. And I found another kind of, well, I wouldn't call it a knockoff brand, just a not as well-known brand. Saw really good reviews. I bought it early in the summer to make sure I could try it. I threw it out in the sun at 10 in the morning. My phone was at 2%. I made sure I drained it down. And it in direct sunlight, it charged my phone in under an hour and a half. Nice. And it can charge two devices at the same time. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. If you guys DM us, I can send you a link or a, a message to it. I thought it was good. We charged. Kurt and I got up the summit of that first ridge that first day and, and charged up the phones and the inreaches and everything off that so we didn't waste our battery packs too. So yep. that was part of the tech gear list. Um, inreach, I put that on the tech gear list. That thing's That's your lifeline. I had a spot before I went up. Second time I went out, it didn't work. So you're out for 10 days and no one's hearing from you. They think you're fucking dead. We had two spots, thank God. Yeah, we were on two. But um, in reach now, Devin runs an in reach as well. And 
we used to use it for mapping and tracking. Still it drains can. your drains your battery down yeah. a little bit more, but I still use it for the mapping a little bit until we got fat maps on the phone. I used it for mapping. Now I don't. It something happens, man. You want that fucking lifeline? It'll save your life. Uh, with it also that, gives your spouses, your loved ones, staying your in friends, contact. They feel a lot better at home. It's not all about you. I think a lot of people know that, but it's like uh, giving them that satisfaction every night. That check in. It can be one simple message. Goes a long way to letting the or having them be okay with you doing it again. Just peace of mind for everyone. Right? Yeah, it's really good, and it, it's yeah. kind of fun. You still get you know that connection to the outside world. So. Yeah, and then you know something's something's happened. You know you can you're in contact. Um, power cords. So with the battery packs, you know, I had a Samsung. That's why I switched to Samsung back in the days because they had the mini USB plug-in and everything was the same. Inreach, same plug-in, phone, same plug-in. You name it, Samsung fucked around and got a goddamn new plug-in. Yeah. So now I got to pack two cords like the iPhone dum-dums, but, um, just joking. <laughs> kind of, kind of not. Um... So yeah, so I pack a, a cord for my phone. I pack a cord for my inReach. Um, my uh, headlamp is the same plug-in as my inReach. Yeah, they um, were all the small USBs. It once again, awesome. the phone companies go fuck yourself. Um, stuff like that. Charger cords. Um, what else I got in here? Like I said, I used to pack a GPS. I used to pack a camera. Yeah, the cell phones phone. are cameras. Cell now. phone's a camera. I got the the phone scope attachment that goes on the spotter that thing's fucking awesome so shit like that you don't as if you know you packed a gopro dev when you did your caribou hunt i did it on ours too yeah 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 uh, so we don't i don't know we might start doing more footage too so this might be something on our list but if you're like just trying to capture some of those things having the it wasn't actually a gopro because i didn't know if i was gonna like packing a what do they call them those action cams i think is how they call them so i didn't know if it would be something that i wanted to deal with all the time i did pack it on my horse hunt because i knew riding on the back of the horse for 40 kilometers i'd have time to play with that and i did pack it i mount them on my backpack straps when i'm hiking and and i'll take videos here and there and it's been good but i picked up a cheap one i did again i didn't do the gopro version the heroes right off the back because i didn't know if i'd like dealing with that item but it's been good I've enjoyed it and I bought like a hundred dollar one off of the internet and came with a kit and it does pretty good video for the amount of money I spent on it and I think going forward we might keep that going but by all means a video camera is not necessary for most hunters so just an item that we have that we like to use I think that's kind of it for tech I don't see much more there uh next gear item would just be your hunting gear and I hope most people that are thinking about a, a backcountry hunt have most of these on their list. We probably don't have to go over too much of it, but we'll just maybe pick off a lot of these items just so guys can kind of know. Uh, hunting gear, one item that Kurt and I kind of both do is like our bino harness. We've always loved the some kind of bino harness, and we've been using the Kuyu one. And we both, it's kind of like our hunting kit. You have that one no matter what style of harness you use. You'll have, or sorry, not harness, what kind of hunt you're doing. You'll always have your, we always have our wind checkers in the harness with our binos, usually some spare bullets. 
maybe a lens cleaning kit. And that one goes any time of the year, any style of hunt. I even wear that when I truck hunt. So if I'm going to do a truck hunt, you know, go check for some deer, do any style, I'm doing that. So that's part of your hunting gear. Um, it's all hunt dependent too, like what you need. Sometimes you're not carrying a spotter. On this hunt, we shared a spotter. Kurt has a really nice Swaro, and we both packed binos. I would recommend that. I don't, I think most guys do, unless there's four or five of you in a group, you might want two spotters, but. If you're splitting up, yeah. I don't know, if you got more guys, you can pack more weight. If someone has a spotter and they really are hard about taking it, yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter, but you got your your 15 power binos, those things are fucking money. Like, yeah. you know, mine are 10 by 42s. They're good for picking shit out, but your 15s are just up close. You can get by with 15s and no spotter over, if you got 10s, you're going to want a spotter. So did you pack a tripod with you? Yeah. So we both packed tripods because I did, like Kurt said, I had the 15s and they, I'll never go back to not mounting them on a tripod stand. And I had, I did pick up, well, it's pretty much the only one on the market that's as lightweight and super quick and works really well is that Outdoorsman uh, bino mount. It's like a quick release bino mount on your tripod. And you'll see them all over the internet. You'll see them all over hunting videos. Lots of guys have them. Um, that was awesome. Like you can get different kind of cheaper bino mounts for your tripod they're usually like a screw in or a strap or something i wouldn't do it this one i got out of the states from you just go to outdoorsman i think.com or something you'll just check them out but their bino is awesome it's quick release button you can do it on and off put them back in your harness you don't need to fiddle with it so yeah we both ran tripods for that reason and i would do that again yeah my tripod i i got a carbon fiber tripod off of it was online somewhere or whatever, but it was a ProMaster XC something. It was pretty lightweight for what the cost of it was. came with a ball head on it for light and like it's pretty fucking sturdy for what it what it costs and it's pretty light. I'm pretty happy with it. Like I think I'm, it's like 350 bucks or something like that for a carbon fiber tripod. It's pretty good. Um, I got that. I bought the ProMaster Bino. I got a pair of Zeiss's and it's got the center screw in knob for the Bino adapter, whatever it is. ProMaster, it was like 13 bucks on Amazon. You know, if you do some homework, you can find some knockoff brands that are actually pretty damn good. Item would be probably our kill kits um i think everyone's is very similar but we might as well go through it so if you guys have questions or maybe there's things in our kit that maybe you don't carry um we typically both have a main knife for, uh for field dressing right now we're not carrying anything special um i think i'm carrying in this hunt i got a new one this year coming up but on this hunt i was carrying an outdoor edge swing blaze is my name main knife it's like a $50 knife. You can get them at Canadian Tire. It's been okay. I'm not going to like sell it. Go buy one. It's just like this is the kind of shit you can get away with. And then we both carry the Havlon Perantas. What do you carry for your main knife? You have an outdoor edge style too, don't you? Uh, nope. I had, I used to pack just an old buck. One of the, not the big buck knives, but the middle one, like kind of a thinner blade. It was not really, I actually started packing it doing moose because it was kind of a long, thin blade. It was good for cutting stuff. 
I lost that, so I didn't pack that. All I packed, I bought that big Havilon kit where it's the it's a fuck, I don't know how long it is, probably five, six inches long, and it's got the big style Havilon blades and the little style Havilon blades on either end. And then the little kit comes and you can stack all your spare blades and it, you can get a saw, everything for it. That's the only knife I packed on the last hunt. Um, didn't weigh very much. Those Havilon blades, when you're gutting stuff, caping shit out, you, I don't know, I break blades all the time. And it's kind of scary because those things are fucking, they nick you, man. They're cutting you deep. So that's all I packed for a knife. Um, I used to always pack uh, like a solid fixed blade knife just if you've got a fucking, I don't know, you got to cut something, you need bone or anything. But we had the machete for anything like that. Like we bucked the ribs off with the machete, stuff like that. So I opted out of taking a fixed blade knife. So that's all I had. Um, On that, we have usually one pull-through style resharpener with our knives too. Don't always use it, but it does come in handy if you need it. Maybe something super simple and lightweight just to redress your edge if you're having trouble, you hit too much bone, or it happens, they get dull. That was a nice thing. I used to have one of those SOG fucking knives, SOG, I don't know, whatever they're called. Um, and I bought that. I was like, this thing's sweet. It's good steel. It was hard to sharpen. Like, it was, you had to put it on a bench and get a stone and sharpen it. That buck knife was 30 bucks maybe and not the best deal, but you could get one of those cheap pull-through fucking sharpeners, those ceramic edge ones, and touch that thing up and that thing was a razor blade. You know, I I got it from from doing moose. You know, you're, you're hitting hide, you're hitting bone, you name it, man. You lose an edge and, a, you know, quartering up a moose can be a pain in the fucking ass. Pack a $2 sharpener on a $20 knife and you can do a moose up. No problem. Sharpen it as many times as you want. So that's what I used to pack. Now I just use the Havilon. For moose hunting, I'll go back to a fixed blade all day long. Havilon's nice if you're caping shit out. But when you need a good fixed blade for opening up an animal and skinning and whatnot, I don't think you can really beat it. So know that. Good steel. Keeps an edge longer. Um but it's hard to sharpen on the fly in the backcountry, so yeah, I mean, that's each to their good own points for sure. The game bags, again, we use Kuyu product game bags. They've been awesome. They have the little handled ones, so we have like the boned out style game bags. We also have quarter bags that we pack, and they have reflective strips on them. So when you hang them in trees when you're camping or on your way out, you can pick them up with a flashlight at night if you're checking on them. I don't know, those Kuyu bags were, have been awesome. I've used them for seasons after seasons now, and I wash them, and they come out smelling good, and they don't stain too bad, which doesn't really matter, but can't say much more about them. And myself, I've been happy with the only thing I've actually learned in the last couple of years is I might try to go to the tighter size for boned-out meat is what I've noticed. Bunch is, of little bags, yeah. better than one big bag. Or instead of the big quarter bag, have like the small quarter bag and try to stuff meat into it. Mm-hmm. It'll hold better in your pack. So that's something I learned recently, especially with my last elk hunt. I had what they call the large quarter bag, and it's still too big. Mm-hmm. The large, I had the large quarter bag, and we got a moose up north, and they fit a moose quarter in it. So that's, that's how big the fucking things are. Um, they're nice for that. 
you know, you can get the big cheesecloth bags. They fit. You can stretch them over stuff. And they're dirt cheap. There's nothing wrong with that either. The the Kuyu Bondo bags are nice. They zip up. They hang very well. They're strong enough that you can tie a rope around them and hang them from a tree. Where a cheesecloth, there's nothing there other than keep the flies off. So, do what you want. Um, there's nothing wrong with cheesecloth. They're one and done, and you throw them away. The Kuyu ones, you can rewash them and use them for years. So yeah, they've been good. Yeah. And then we we nitrile gloves. I think everyone's doing this nowadays, keeping your pack and gear a little bit cleaner. We just throw the nitrile gloves in. I've liked that over the years. Um, other items left. I mean, obviously, extra bullets. You got to consider where you're hunting. So packing extra bullets. I don't know. I think it depends on the country and the style of hunt you're doing. Uh, my I usually, thought is a whole box, so twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you ever want to run out of bullets. I'll usually pack two clips with my gun. So that was one's three and the other one holds four. And then I'd pack 10 loose after that. So basically, yeah, you're packing down near 20 shells with you. You hopefully don't need any more than that. Yeah, and it's not, we don't pack them because we think we're going to miss that much. It's more like Grizz country, northern BC. As much as like we've talked about this a couple times, bears aren't endangered and there's lots of them in northern BC. So if you need mm-hmm. to keep them away from your kill or keep them away from your camp, you know, firing off a few rounds in their vicinity, you're going to waste some bullets and you don't want to be worrying about not having enough is kind of how we look at it. Yeah. Or say maybe you spend a couple of extra bullets trying to shoot the animal you're hunting and you don't want to be left with one shell walking out with a bunch of meat on your back. So yeah. just plan, plan for the worst and hopefully it doesn't go there. Um, uh, next we touched on the knives. I, I, uh, bought a Caldwell carbon fiber bipod right before the hunt. I was humming and hawing. I packed one, one strip. I didn't pack it the next trip. Um, I liked it. I packed one of those fucking Canadian tire. I don't even know, champion or something made out of metal with all the fucking springs and loud. And I packed that up there. No problem. I shot my, uh, my wolf the one trip when I got my goat. With a bipod, 300 yards, no big deal. I packed it. This one, the carbon fiber was nice and light. The only issue with that Caldwell one was that when it's on, it's on. You can't take it off. It's not like the uh, the Javelin or Spartan Javelins or the um, the Atlas ones where they clip on and you can take them on and off. That Caldwell one, it's some, I don't know why the fuck they came up with a system like that, but it's a kind of a hokey system, so... You're not changing that on the fly quick. So you you got another one too, right? New one. Yeah, I picked up one off of Amazon. It was cheap because I was humming and hawing too if I was going to pack a bipod and how much money I wanted to spend on it. And I've never packed one before, but I figured it was definitely worth its weight in gold when you did need it. And I, I bought, I can't remember the name of it now. I think it's like three letters, like UTG or something off of Amazon. And it's only like a $50 bipod. But it's been good. I think it's aluminum build. It's got the kind of the dovetail rack, and you can clip it on and off. And I was pretty happy with it. Um, I only shot off it for targeting and sighting in and, and practicing, but it's been good. I can't complain. I think it's, I'll pack it again, that same one. It's going to be worth its weight in gold if it does come in handy. So I think it will, just looking at what happened when 
you had to take your shot this year and how steady you got with your bipod. So I think it's the way to go. I think you want to have a bipod again if you guys buy one system and two Picanani rails for your guns, you guys can share bipods too. I don't know. Yeah. That's There's items that you guys, you can share with your hunting partners, whether you're close or you hunt in the same area. A lot of you guys live together. Kurt and I don't all the time, so that wouldn't always work for us, but another item you might be able to save some bucks on. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Siltarp earlier. I had never used one before. They're, they were a little bit pricey. I bucked down and bought one. We didn't use it. We could have used it, but by the time I pulled it out, if you get weathered in for days, it's fucking worth worth it for sure. Just to have it in your bag, it's not. It's kind of bulky. I wouldn't say it's super heavy, but it's not light. Um, check the weather before you pack it. If it's bluebird, I mean, you can use it for shade. You can use it for whatever the fuck you want. You can. I got the. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, the Rab. The Rab style. The Rab guide one. Yeah. So it Velcros together on three sides. So you actually can use it like a tent or a sleeping bag. Um, we didn't use it when we spent the night in the bush because the campfire was so close. I didn't want it. It would have been fucking ruined with all the sparks and everything. So we didn't. We could have pulled it out. We didn't. Um, like I said, look at the weather. If it's going to fucking rain, definitely bring it. If you want it for shade, bring it if it's 50 50 yeah maybe leave it at home i don't know i'd probably pack it with me anyways just because I, I bought the fucking thing i want to use it but not something that's des- definitely necessary for yeah. for getting out there the one item that is definitely necessary and i mentioned that I, we pack it in our vinyl harnesses is a wind checker yeah. uh we don't go on any hunts without them it's a cross hunt mountain truck one day bivy doesn't matter you pack a wind checker they're i don't know why you wouldn't i don't know why you wouldn't use one i don't see a better way to check wind and there isn't a hunt i've been on where i'm not checking wind i don't know when people wouldn't need these things and an animal's number one defense system is their nose you know if you really pay attention to bears and deer they feed into the wind like if you see a bear in the springtime eating the grass you can, if you're downwind from him, you can literally walk up and kick him in the ass because he's not paying attention, but he's walking into the wind all the fucking time. And animals, that's, you know, bears can't see fucking 50 feet past their face. So the wind is everything. And same with mountain hunting, especially like we have troubles where we go elk hunting in the Kootenays because you get up in some of those bowls and those big bowls, they hang up there because the wind swirls. So they can sit right in the middle of that bull and they can get wind from every direction. And it's hard as hell to hunt them. So know what the wind's doing. And like we mentioned before, the one guy that had the lighter and that was like shaking my head like, what what the fuck are you doing? So get a wind checker. Make sure it's topped right up before you go hunting. Because if you have any hope of stalking an animal... You're gonna. You're not even gonna have that in your bag. You're gonna have it in your fucking hand the entire time you're stalking that, because the wind. Will, everyone knows. Well, if you've been up there, you know, the weather will change every ten minutes, and the wind will just all of a sudden switch directions. You'll fit it, feel it hit the back of your ears, and the chase is over right there. So, yeah. And the only other item I forgot to mention, or other gear dump that I now pack on every off grid, off road adventure, is trekking poles. I didn't do it for years. Kurt and I would break sticks off and use shitty 
limbs as poles and you know i kind of scoffed at the whole trekking pole thing i thought it looked funny and that's not why i didn't do it i just didn't think it was necessary but over the last two or three seasons trekking poles are like a must and they're not so much for in but they're for coming out heavy not to actually say that as a pun but that is what we use them for more than anything and they save your knees and they you can go a long way. You can lean on them to rest. Uh, and then a lot of the gear, like the rab tarps and the silt tarps and tents and different things, use them now to to work as a pole. So, Yeah. First time I went, I took two. Didn't kill anything. Next time, I'm like, oh, that was a fucking waste of time. I brought one, killed a goat, killed a wolf, packed it out. One, one helped going down like on the flats no issue as soon as you start going downhill or picking your way through rocks one isn't fucking enough so packing that elk out in the coonies two years ago packing that sheep out last year and the elk out last year it's it saves your knees man saves your knees your balance you lose you hook up hit a fucking root or something and you're starting to tip over you can catch yourself with those things um i got you got yours from costco didn't you yeah I've just got cheap carbon fiber ones from Costco. They've been fine. So, and then we're clumb, well, we're probably rough enough that we'll probably break them just because, and we'll probably break a lackey at the same time. So I didn't, I didn't want to spend $200 on trekking poles. So I spent $40. Yeah. Mine were, I think 50 bucks, Mount McKinley, cheap ones. They're snowshoeing ones. They fold down. They're, I think, I don't even know if they're metal. They might be fucking fiberglass. I have no idea, but. I've used them on two hunts, and I don't know, man. They're, like as Devin said, if you're going in, not necessary. When you're coming out with 130 pounds on your back, super fucking necessary. Yeah, so they're usually strapped to the side of my pack for majority of the hunting season. They're mm. just there. But when I've needed them, they're one of the most important pieces of gear coming out heavy. Definitely. Um, With that, I think we're... We still got like a big food list, but food is very so much between people that like if people have questions about the food that we're going that we take, by all means, we'll we'll talk about it or we'll send you a message or whatever. But everyone's different with what they like. Yeah. Some people like candy. Some people like hearty food. Some people like next to nothing. Learning what you like is important. So if we're going to touch on food is like. Try it out a bit. Try a mountain house. Try a freeze-dried meal. Try the bars. Try whatever you're doing through your daily life. Make sure you have something comfortable. We can. This episode's already running fairly long, so and I hope you guys have picked up some tips or tricks from us. I hope you've enjoyed the gear dump. I think we're probably going to have to do another one, or if you guys have questions, or we might structure another episode where we dive into nutrition and food a little bit mm-hmm. with what we do. But Probably closer to the sheep hunt, we'll... We'll actually pick apart our food. I know Devin dove right down into the calories per ounces. I went with comfort food and snacky food. Everyone's different. So that'll be an entirely different episode, probably closer to the sheep hunt. So anyone has any questions or want to add or anything that you added to your hunting kit that you think that we would like to use? Message us, comment us, email us, you name it. Uh, Hit us on the socials and we'll answer all your questions. And we like feedback. If you think something that we're packing is useless, let us know. It's 
you know, it's kind of learned by community and a lot of stuff, right? If I can help someone out knowing what I've learned in the last 10 years of doing this shit compared to someone that's been doing it for 30 years, like I'm open to options too. I know you are dev. Yeah. Um, hit us up and let us know what you think. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed our gear dump. Uh, yeah, it was fun to do and it gives us the excitement to try to get our shit figured out for this year. And that was one of the big reasons to do it. Start talking about it. And Kurt and I are going to get our gear kits dialed back in for some more mountain hunting this year. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this like us on instagram check us out on facebook subscribe to us on all platforms itunes spotify and continue to hunt hard and come out heavy i came from the mud there's dirt on my hands strong like a tree there's roots where i stand oh i've been running from the law Sunrise on the sun